Hello and um, welcome again to the Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show. I'm very happy to be here. It's been an interesting week, I think, for a lot of us, especially what was going on in the weekend when we saw the butchery of Bucha um, in Ukraine. It was kind of disturbing to uh, have to experience this. But again, we are in Aries and it is the... Uh, period of Mars. So we are supposed to be experienced on a personal level, on a global level, inside, outside uh, the uh, terrible aspects of war. Um, we'll talk a little bit today about Aries and about uh, the decans, because some people ask me about the decanets or the decanets. The decanets is basically the the, uh, the separation or the Ability to take the tribes, you know, your your astrology chart, I mean, your astrology sign is your tribe. But within that tribe, there are subdivisions that could be called your clan, in a sense, or your extended family. So think about the old days when we were all in tribes, in the tribal world. And fortunately, some uh, places in the world, there still are kind of tribal. So... Uh, within that tribe that maybe lives by an oasis, you can say. Uh, it depends on the sign, actually. Some of the signs live up in the top. Some live in a desert, like the fire sign with an oasis. Some people, uh, some um, live maybe by the water and their water signs. But anyway, your tribe has a certain territory, and the territory might be divided among the clans. So three is a very important number in uh, numerology and, of course, in mythology, the three witches, the three ladies of understandings, the three uh, Moriahs, the three fates, and so forth. So the three represents structure. So always when you want to make sense of something, you need to break it not into two. Two is only an opposition. It's a mirror, but into three so that you have the two with the reference point. You can say a correlation with a third factor that runs this show. So the idea... We're going to cover today, I think we're going to make it for the first six signs, and next week we'll make it for the next uh, six signs. And the reason why I wanted to keep it for Aries, because Aries' whole concept, and these 30 days that we're living with Aries, or under the influence, you can say, of the color red, uh, the, the color of uh, uh, initiation, you can say, we are talking about identity. So this is a period where you really are trying to discover what is your identity? Who are you? Who is your clan? Who is your tribe, in a sense? Uh, that's why I think it was today or yesterday that we finally realized that um, uh, the identity of Putin is a war criminal. Now they're actually talking about uh, issuing a warrant for his arrest. You know, maybe we can have the aliens come and help us anyway. But the idea behind uh, Aries is I am. And that's why I wanted to really focus on the different identities that every sign have. Because like in geography, we have the uh, geography of the zodiac in a sense. Where in the zodiac you're located, can really you can really understand who you are based on where you're from. You know, the same way that uh, in many places in the world, when you meet somebody, one of the first questions uh, you'll, you'll be asked, unless you're in L.A., they're going to be asked, what do you do? Or in New York, uh, you know, most people will ask, where are you from? You know, so that's the same thing that we're going to try to cover today. What does it mean if you're born at the beginning of a sign, in the middle of the sign or the end of the sign? Are you telling the beginning of the story? Are you in charge of maintaining the stories and, co and continuing the story of the sign? 
or are you the one that is bringing it to an end? You're the closing. Uh, are you the act, act one of the sign? Are you the act two? Or are you at the act three? And that will also let you know also how you get along with other people. So, for example, two signs that don't get along. Let's take an example in an archetypal level, a Scorpio and Leo. Scorpio is a fixed uh, water sign. Leo is a fixed fire sign that can be very stubborn in their fire and water and try to put each other down, right? But if you're born in the first part of, uh, a, let's say, Scorpio, and you're born in the first part of Leo, your clash might be really strong. If you're born at the beginning of Leo and the other person is born at the end of Scorpio, the clash will be less because your sons are not going to have the perfect 90 degrees clashing period. And you know all these books that actually talk about your date of birth and how you get along with other signs. It's based very much on these ideas, the ideas of the decans or like we call university, the decan. You know, so that's the same idea. It comes from the, the from the number ten, like a, a like a decimal in a sense. So we divide the thirty days of the zodiac uh, territory of each sign into three, and we'll talk about that system in a second, and I'll uh, explain that. It, it, we will also connect it to the planets and which one, which of the planets are exalted, like we started doing with Aries. We'll start it all over uh, today, so it's all in your head together. Again, we are due, we are now in the time of Aries, and it is the time of really trying to figure out your identity. Because the way I like to work with astrology is, regardless of your sign, we started the astrological year on the twentieth of March, right on the equinox. So we are now walking together, you know, like with Moses or Muhammad or Jesus, who we're all Aries. I'm going to talk about it quite a lot. When am I going to talk about it? I think on the, yeah, on the class on April 14. I'm actually preparing it right now. And I actually discovered kind of interesting things about the connection, mythological connection between Moses and Muhammad and Jesus. They actually have kind of a story that unfolds. One picks up the ball. It's like they're playing football and the ball might be the one. And it's like Moses is throwing it into Jesus. Jesus is throwing it to Muhammad and Muhammad is probably throwing it to somebody else. I will see in the future. Actually, it did already happen with the Sikhs, with the Baha'is. Um, so it's interesting to see how these Aries work in a gang. And the idea is that in the first 30 days of the um, year, the astrological year, doesn't matter what sign you are, you're there with Moses. Uh, he's leading you out of the land of oppression into your promised land. This is the Zodiac journey. So the first 30 days of this Zodiac, the first station, you can say, is identity. Then we're going to have 30 days when we're in Taurus to figure out, okay, we know who we are. How are we going to make money? What are, what are my values? What are my talents? Now that I discovered that I'm, let's say, um, artistic. Okay, that's my identity. Now how am I going to make money from that art? What are the values that guide my art? Uh, how can I develop this artistic talent, right? So whatever you discover in your first 30 days of the year, which is really right now until April 20th, you have the time to figure out who the mm, are you, you know? So what is your purpose? And then the next 30 days during Taurus is how do you ground it? It's an earth sign. And that's why I love the Zodiac. It's not only a, a system that explains to us archetypes. It also explains the connection and the and the rhythm of the archetype, as well as the order and why one 
must come after the other. So in Aries, we discovered who we are. In Taurus, we're grounding that energy. We're actually making it concrete. We're making it down here. We're supposed to make money out of our identity. Then on the third uh, sign, when we have Gemini, you're going to have 30 days where you have to market yourself much more. Talk about these talents. Talk about your identity. So every sign is picking up the other signs before. It's not like dumping uh, the signs and say, here I am, I'm Gemini, I, I'm all about thoughts and words. No, no, no. Your thoughts and words based on your talents and your values because of Taurus, based on your identity because of Aries. So that's how the Zodiac continues. Then during Cancer, we're going to have to go back home. Okay, now that we know who we are, we know our talents and our values, we know how to communicate them, hopefully. We know how to market them, how to sell them even. Now we have to come back home. Now connect to the home, the family during cancer, and we're focusing on our feelings. Then we have the time of Leo, when we have to be creative, when we have to start thinking about our child, who's going to uh, be after us in a sense. You know, what is our continuation? You know how kings are always obsessed about having uh, their offsprings, their blood continuing. Right Then we have Virgo that has to organize everything and cleanse everything because it's been six signs and it's been very dirty here. Like every sign is dumping their garbage everywhere and we need Virgo to kind of organize, edit because eh, maybe some of your talents are not that, uh, you're not that talented. At, sorry, I thought you were talented, but now Virgo comes and looks at the uh, spreadsheets and looks at the accounts and said, um, I don't think you have a talent there. Sorry. I have to tell you that after six signs of you thinking that you're an artist, you're actually not an artist, uh, come to think about it. But you actually paint houses very well. Maybe you should start painting houses. You know, So Virgo is going to be ruthlessly editing what is not necessary so we can function and move to the next six months. It's also preparing us for the feminine side of the year. And then we have Libra that waits everything and start thinking, okay, it's time for a partner. Yeah, I know that you're uh, an artist. I know that you've sold a lot of your art or whatever it is that you decided that you are. And even past Virgo's judgment and you're still an artist, great. Now you need to find a fellow artist or somebody who could be your agent or somebody who could be your manager or a business partner because then we're in Libra. Then we move into Scorpio and Scorpio just kills whatever is not necessary and start connecting us to our passion because after being in the zodiac for a while and we yes we thought that we are like that and we thought that this is our talents and we managed to persuade everybody in our propaganda um you know campaigns that this is what we are persuade ourselves and now scorpio is coming and asking are you sure you're passionate about it are you sure this is what drives you in your life and then we move into sagittarius which might be a time for a vacation from this whole zodiac thing so that's why we travel and connect to either we're not escaping but we're traveling through words or through uh, teachings uh, we become teachers we are in a position that if all goes well we now have to bestow the energy or the knowledge that we have uh, accumulated in the nine month then comes capricorn which kind of helps us climb the mountain and see things from above and then we have aquarius which means that we have connected to our communities and created some kind of a new thing for the future and then pisces come to dissolve anything and everything and tell us you know everything that you were working on is an illusion uh, the form is emptiness emptiness is form there is nothing but imagination and a hologram etc and then it's time to start again with aries so every month is not only about uh, what kind of uh, who among us is celebrating birthday, but also what do we need to focus on? So back again to the beginning of the cycles, because now we're in Aries. 
our job is to focus on our i on our identity i am so this is a time that you're not supposed to be self-centered it's nothing to do with that it has to do with your identity once you know your identity it's much easier for you to interact with other people if you don't know your identity and you know these kind of people because you meet them and they don't stop talking about themselves or talking about um, what they did or what they want to do those are usually the people who do not know who they are people who do know who they are are able to be with another person comfortably knowing that i'm this I am myself. You can be however you want. No problem. You're not going to threaten my identity. All these peoples that are fighting for you to be forced to believe in God and have the Ten Commandments in front of the courthouse and um, uh, don't confuse little children with your sexual identities and all that. These are people who are not secured about their identity, who are not really believing in God. They need to constantly make sure that everybody thinks like them. Otherwise, they will charge, uh, challenge them and reduce their ability to identify who they are. So what we have to do during Aries is figure out who we are so we don't have to mess around or force other people to uh, bend to our false identity in a sense. So Aries gives us the strength to move forward, to know who we are. So if I um, uh, show you what I've uh, brought up this week, I had some interest. I think it was an interesting thought. I hope it's interesting but it was interesting for me, at least. Um, I had this thought. I think I was um, um, reading something about mythology and about the uh, idea of uh, the wilderness, the liminal places. I've always been fascinated with the liminal uh, zone. The liminal zone is be actually between civilizations. It's at the border of civilization, and it always morphs and changes. For example, if you look at maps from the 13th, 12th century, um, you'll see that there is the map of the old world, what we thought was the old world. And it is actually the old world, because even in the new world, uh, even if we're talking about Australia or we're talking about America, people came later compared to Africa and Europe and Asia, where people came, or Homo sapiens, sapiens were there before. Anyway, it is the old world. You'll see in the maps that there is drawings of crazy dragons and monsters, and it says here the monsters are. So that's beyond uh, our civilization. So when we are uh, in China, we're in on the other side in um, uh, Portugal or the Iberian uh, Peninsula, then we are in kind of civilized places. I mean, these people are weird, but um, they're civilized, right? After that, over the seas, if you go to the Atlantic Ocean or if you go to the Pacific Ocean, that's where the monsters are. That's where the flat world ends and there is an abyss. And if you fall into that abyss, you're in really a problematic situation. And even within our own old world, new world, there are little pockets of wilderness. If it's the Sahara or if it's the... Um, um, the Black Forest, for example, in uh, Bavaria, those places still remain liminal, meaning that there are places where you go in and magic happens because the laws of nature do not, uh, sorry, the, no, the laws of civilizations do not hold there. And even the laws that we discovered of nature might be bent there in those dark places. But in those dark places, the dark forest, the sacred grove, is where magic happens. That's when transformation takes place. That's where everything that is potential can actually come to the actual. So uh, when I was reading that uh, book, they were talking about wilderness and how wilderness is relative. And then I thought, that's brilliant, because 
if you think about it now that we have, after the 15th century, uh, discovered uh, the new world in a sense or started you know, the discovering, but just massively populating it, we realize that there is no monsters there. Uh, the monsters are us. We actually are the monsters. We bring the diseases and so forth. So we are the monsters. We became the monsters. And this place that used to be liminal is no longer liminal. It's just um, uh, places with number, uh, with names and addresses and so forth. So where is the wilderness now? Outer space. That's why we are fascinated with Star Trek or Star Wars or um, The Mandalorian and so forth. So sci-fi is where the wilderness was pushed into outer space and once we start conquering outer space and seeing that maybe there are not that many monsters there uh, I don't know maybe the monsters will move into the multiverse like it's happening lately if you noticed everybody's fascinated by the multiverse because that's where the liminal place is or maybe it will be different dimensions and so forth different existences and different time zones so anyway, the wilderness is relative and it's shifting all the time. And then I had a thought about how I'm living here in the Wild West, right? This is the Wild West. Uh, California used to be the Wild West, you know, till, uh, let's say until the gold rush in a sense, or even the gold rush kind of like made it a, a little bit more famous, the Wild West. But before the gold rush of the 1849, really, it was kind of the Wild West. But if you think about the Chumash or the Native Americans that lived here, I don't think the Wild West... I don't think they would consider their place wild. It wasn't wild for them. It was wild for us, right? And that's why we called it the Wild West. So it is relative. And then I thought about the Far East. I was saying, oh, I'm going to take a trip to the Far East or I don't like food from the Far East. Well, the Far East is not that far for people who live there, right? It's kind of close. So that idea of the Far East with the exotics or the Wild West on the other sense is basically relative. And then I thought that we all have inside of us this wild place where the wildlings are, you know, beyond the walls um, of civilization, beyond the wall. So that could be some kind of a feeling that we all have about our unconscious, in a sense, or what Jung used to call our shadow. So there's always going to be this place that is wilderness in us. And once we go to therapy, once we mature, once we grow up, once we go through partnership or giving birth or um, basically maturing, we discover that some of these wild places, we actually manage to harvest and bring it into our career. And it's actually not that wild. It's just very creative and unpredictable. And now we actually have it uh, not so much in the Far East and not so much in the Wild West. We're actually having it in our day-to-day -day, uh, consciousness. But there are still parts of us that are unknown and unconscious, and that's the wilderness. The only wilderness that does not ever live us, to most of us, maybe to some people it stays, uh, is death. So death is the ultimate wilderness, in a sense, or liminal place that we all have to go through. And we really, even though we study and we meditate and we do shivasanas and all that, don't really know precisely what would be the process by which we will transfer from the, from the living to the dead. So that remains our ultimate, absolute, let's say, liminal place where all the rest of the, wild uh, the, the wilderness, the, wild the liminal places, our relatives and shift according to our experience, our location, and our, you know, our, our investigation of our own selves. But it's interesting that we all have, in a sense, that liminal place within us. And maybe that's the place between the unconscious and the conscious. That was just a thought.
Anyway, what we have also this week uh, from April um, uh, 5th, we're going to have it. So it's, I guess it's uh, in a few days. We're going to have the, uh, the idea of Venus being in Pisces. So Venus in Pisces is exalted. She's going to be there for like, what, um, three weeks approximately. And it's going to give us a good energy in connection to finance, a good uh, flow of energy in relation to relationship and partnership. So this is the three weeks. I don't want to pressure anybody, but it's the three weeks where we're going to have Venus exalted in um, um, Pisces. And that is going to be very, very good in all respects, especially in connection to money, talents, relationship, art, creativity so this is a really good time to date to kind of discover relationships to improve relationships so that's going to be even stronger when we're going to have the solar eclipse the the, the partial solar eclipse uh, between april 28th to may 1st when venus is also going to be conjuncting uh, jupiter and neptune now neptune is the higher octave of venus so it's always good when they're together and they're all in pisces which they love to be jupiter is the old ruler of pisces or traditional one neptune is the modern ruler of pisces and venus is exalted in pisces so it's not only good news for pisceans but it's good news for all of us, when Venus is traveling in Pisces, especially when she's touched by Jupiter, which is the aspect of luck. If you have Jupiter on top of uh, Venus in your chart, wow, you're lucky. And you probably already know it. Or you don't even have to know it because you don't need astrology. Everything is so easy. And the fact that it's on top of Neptune, really strong connection to dreams, meditation, intuition, uh, memories from past lives and especially because it's happening closer to the eclipse and the eclipse is going to be in Taurus where the moon is exalted we're going to have the moon exalted we're going to have Venus exalted we're going to have Jupiter in his own sign we're going to have Neptune in the own sign I'm telling you this is a real great party so the end of this month is great for a lot of pushing forward especially in connection to finance and art and relationship and Focusing on what we talked about as Taurus is your talents, your self-worth. Also today, one-fourth of uh, humanity, actually yesterday or the day before, it started their Ramadan. Uh, Ramadan basically means scorching heat. Uh, it's from the Arabic root RMD uh, or uh, Ramd. And it basically talks about a month, a lunar month, when you are supposed to be purged, purified. The fasting starts from dawn uh, to sunset, and it represents the time where the Quran was uh, transferred or recited by Muhammad. And it's interesting, Quran means to read, even in Hebrew, uh, to read, likro, kara, is read. It's the same as semitic language of, of uh, Arabic, which is Quran, which is basically to read, or the ability to read. And it was a miracle because supposedly Muhammad uh, was illiterate. He couldn't read and write. And after his death, because people started uh, recognizing that pieces of this Quran was on um, stones, some people wrote it on stones and rocks, some people wrote it on palms, they had to compile everything and put it into a book because they were afraid that now uh, that he's dead and so many people were dying in battles that remembered the Quran by heart, uh, will basically the library of this natural oral tradition will go away, so they decided to actually write it down. So this is a month that is talking about purge, purification. It's almost like a time of atonement. So you can say it's Yom Kippur that lasts a whole month in a sense. 
So this starts always on the new moon and ends on the next new moon. So it's basically from crescent to crescent. Usually they start the day after the new moon. That's why it started this year, the day after the new moon in Aries, which was the second of um, a Ari- the second of the second day of April. But the thing about because it's the ninth month of the lunar calendar, it keeps shifting and changing around. So the Ramadan changes. Uh, it basically begins every year about 11 days before. Why? Because there's a difference of 11 days between the lunar calendar, which is Muslim, and the solar calendar, which is what we use. That 11 days difference is causing the month to shift backward all the time. And it used to be in the summer. And remember, my friends in Turkey uh, were freaking out because that means during the summer that the day of fa- the fasting time is like oh, so long, right? And my, now at least it's moving towards the winter. It's going to be a little bit easier in the next few years. And the whole cycle of coming back to the same place, meaning that in 33 years, the Ramadan will again start on the 2nd of April and that's 33-year uh, cycle, of course, is the conjunction of uh, the lunar and the solar calendar. And it's interesting because that's the age, according to numerology, of sacrifice. And definitely the Ramadan is involving a purge or purification from sacrifice. This is something I want you guys to have, and I'm going to send you those who are uh, in the Instagram live uh, you can't really see what I'm showing, but uh, you'll get it in the email if you register to the Zoom class. You can always do it on my website. And I'm going to send that image. And this is a beautiful image that explains the originally the Crawley deck and how the assignment of the different planets and sign, astrologically speaking, to the, uh, the uh, minor arcana. But it gives you a little indication of the decadence or the decans. You can see that every sign is divided into three according to their color from red all the way to purple. So you can trace yourself where you were born on what kind of decades you are. Or We're going to go over all of them, so no worries. Um, you'll get the gist of it. So we'll start with Aries because we're now in Aries and it's a good place to start. Of course, Aries is a good place to start because Aries is the first. Now, remember, we talked about it uh, quite a lot in the class I did for Aries. And by the way, on uh, April 20th, we're going to do the class about Taurus and how what to focus on Taurus, even regardless of how, if you're a Taurus or not, and uh, how to get along with Taurus, which is not that easy, that difficult if you know a, a little bit of principles of what they are. And Ben, I, I'll give you a preview. Do not talk to a Taurus if they're hungry or thirsty or uncomfortable on their chair or cold or hot. No, it's not that they're, you know, spoiled. It's just that they're way more connected to the five senses than you are, and unless you're a Taurus. And that is something you should be aware of when you're dealing with Tauruses. But anyway, we'll talk now about Aries, uh, and then we're going to talk about Taurus in a second. So what is the uh, deacons, uh, like the deacons in the uh, university? They're controlling certain element of the university. So if we're now entering the University of Aries, the first one is March 20, 21st, depends on the year, until the 30th. So if you look at your own chart, you see that there is a sun, right? The sun is a circle with a little dot inside. It's like the all-seeing eye or the eye that Horus sacrificed or the eye that Odin sacrificed. And eyes have a tendency to be sacrificed for some reason. And by the way, eyes are ruled by Aries, which is the sacrificial lamb. But um, Aries, you have 0 to 10 degrees. Uh, so again, the sign, it will be divided into three. Now, the principle is very beautiful. I really like it. 
uh, it's it's really interesting because what it does, it takes the tribe of every sign and divide it into three, but keep it inside. What am I saying? Uh, I'm trying to say is that um, you're only allowed to... In the, I mean, energetically speaking, it's almost as if they kept the genes of air of the fire signs together somehow in the clan. What am I saying? I'm saying that Aries is divided into three. 10 degrees, 10 degrees, 10 degrees. So from the 21st to the 30th, it's the 0 to 10 degrees. If you, like I said, uh, have the sun uh, in your chart, you can look just under it towards the center of the, uh, zodi- and the, center of the chart itself. You will see that it has a degree. It will be a degree between 0 to 29. And you can see where your sun is. If it's between 0 to 10, whatever sign you are, you are the pure essence of that sign. So if you're born on the first 10 days of whatever sign you are, you're considered to be double that sign. It's as if you're getting much more of that dose, which means that the the essence of your color is really, really strong. You're very much channeling the energy of your sign. So in the case of Aries, people born March 20, 21st until 30th, uh, which basically puts them at zero degrees Aries to 10 degrees Aries, they are ruled by Mars, the god of war. And they have the qualities of being Aries that are pure Aries. And because of that, they tend to be very childlike, very childish sometimes, unfortunately. And they tend to be a little bit more aggressive in a sense because they're just wiggling their way out of uh, a mother's womb because they are the first. So even among the Aries, they are the first that came up. So even the Aries that come later are considered to be, by these Aries, just youngsters. And that's what makes them childish and childlike, if that makes sense. Now, they are the first of the, um, of the Zodiac. They are the first to come. They're the crown. If the, if, if the Zodiac is a baby, they're crown in a sense. So also, they are extremely uh, very capable leaders. They're very good at, uh, this is the way. Just follow it. This is the way, you know, like the Mandalorian. So definitely, if you're born at that period of time, you are a pure Aries. You're Aries, Aries. Now, why are you Aries, Aries? Because every element, fire, water, earth, air, have three signs. That's why we have 12 signs altogether in the Zodiac. We have four elements. Every element has three signs. Why three signs? One sign that is considered to be the initiating one sign that will always be a fixed one that maintain the energy, and one sign that is mutable, that passes the energy elsewhere. So in the case of uh, fire signs, we have Aries, which is beginning of spring. Obviously, now we're in the beginning of spring in the Northern Hemisphere. Then will come Leo, the next sign, will be a fixed sign because it's in the middle of summer, so it's when the fire is the strongest and maintained itself. And then we have the Sagittarius, which is going to be in the fall. And at the end of fall, before it becomes winter, so it's transferring the energy of fall into winter, and therefore Sagittarius is a mutable sign. So we have three modalities, the cardinal, the initiators, the the fixed that sustain, and the mutable that uh, flow and, and, and move into the next energy. They're the most flexible and adjustable. So Aries uh, will be divided into the three, the first 10 days will be dedicated to Aries because this is the sign Aries. The second will be dedicated to the next fire sign that comes after Aries. And if you think about it, Aries, 
Taurus is a fire sign? No. Gemini is a fire sign? No. Cancer is a fire sign? No. Leo is a fire sign. Okay, so the next one is Leo. So Leo will be guarding or in charge or influencing the second decan of Aries, which is from 20 degrees to th from 10 degrees Aries to 20 degrees or from March 31st or April 1st until April 9 or 10. So that will be the second decan of Aries, which is much more associated with Leo, which is all about being regal, entertaining, but their ego can be a little bit more intense. And if you're born at the last part of Aries, uh, like me, for example, then you have it uh, under the influence of Sagittarius because Sagittarius is the following sign of uh, fire after Leo, right? Because Virgo after Leo is not a fire sign. Libra is not a fire sign. Scorpio is definitely not a fire sign. And then we have Sagittarius, which is a fire sign. So that's very, very simple. Whatever is your sign, you just have to know the list of your three fellow or the two other fellow uh, signs that are in your tribe in a sense or your element in a way and then you know that the first part is related to whatever that sign is so let's say it's a libra it will be libra libra and the second part of it will be of course libra german aquarius because aquarius is the next air sign and the last part will be libra gemini because that's the next air sign and that gives you a great deal of ability. It's almost like it's like uh, fine-tuning the kind of fire you are. So if you are an Aries, maybe your middle name is Aries Aries or Aries Taurus or whatever, Aries uh, Leo or Aries Sagittarius. So it gives you a refinement of how your fire element or how your sign is manifested in the here and now. So even though you're an Aries and you're wearing all red, if you are born on the second decan and you're influenced by the sun and Leo, you're wearing red, but you're wearing this beautiful golden medallion that has the sun. Or you're wearing a crown that is made of gold because you have that Leo energy. So obviously of all the Aries, the most Leo-like Aries are going to be the one in the middle. And the third decan from April 10 to 20th, from 20 degrees Aries to 30 degrees Aries, are ruled by Jupiter, Sagittarius. Jupiter is mass media, mass communication, uh, teaching, traveling, uh, seekers, the seekers of truth, the prophets in a sense. So that is much more the energy of Aries, Sagittarius. For example, Leonardo da Vinci was somebody like that. So you have an idea a little bit more clear about when you're born in the actual time to kind of re recognize in your sign how you express your own sign. I think it's actually really helpful. And on top of everything, we said that in Aries, as an Aries, you have your Mars as the ruler. That's what is called dom uh, domicile. It's basically a home. You have detriment your Venus, meaning that Aries is all about war and fights. The last thing that an Aries wants to know, or uh, let's say a soldier in the field uh, has to focus on, is relationship and partnership right now. So it's not time to think too much about your partner, unless your partner is the one fighting next to you, which is what the Spartan developed. But that's a different story, and it wasn't that common. Venus is peace. Venus is uh, beauty. Venus is makeup. Venus is uh, very fine, nice clothes. You're not going to wear it in the battlefield. So obviously for Aries, it's not that comfortable with Venus, which is relationship and partnership. But the sun is exalted, meaning that the best place for the sun to be is in Aries. Even though the sun rules Leo, it feels more comfortable as the special guest star of Aries. 
and Saturn is fallen. So when you have Saturn in your chart uh, in Aries, Saturn is not channeling its best way. Now, I can tell you as uh, somebody who is in Aries that I happen to have uh, Venus uh, in Aries, so it's detriment, lovely, and uh, Saturn in Aries, which is fallen, great. Uh, at least I have the sun exalted, right? But fallen Saturn means that your discipline can be up, can be down, because Saturn is trying to connect to you, but you're constantly saying, don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to do, because that's what Aries do. And Saturn does have to tell you what to do, because Saturn represents the order of things, the strategy. You know, remember, uh, the, the horsey can go up two and then one left, uh, run right or one left, right? I don't play chess, but I think so. Okay, so this is the instruction of Saturn. You can't just say as an Aries, but I don't want to. I want to move it 10 and then 3 because it doesn't work like that. That's why Saturn is kind of like, okay, you know what, Aries? I'm going to go someplace else. So it's, again, interesting that it. The not only you need to know the general qualities of Aries, but you can really tell by only seeing the planets and where they are and how they interact with Aries, that filter called Aries, how they work, because the best way to look at it is as if the, the sign is a filter and the planetary uh, influence or, or energy is like this, like a wave. And some of these filter allows the wave to go if they go like this. But if the wave is like this, like Saturn, it's having a hard time crossing through the filter of Aries, causing a little bit more of mishaps and confusion and issues in general. If we look at Taurus, um, it has... Why? Opla. Where is Taurus? Um, yeah, so in the case of Taurus, the first decan of Taurus, uh, which basically talks about April 20th uh, to about May, April 30th or so, is Taurus Taurus. So they're super Taurus. They're kind of patriotic Taurus. They're sensual. They're stubborn because not only they're fixed sign, the only fixed sign is Taurus, they're double fixed. They're fixed in their man manner of being and they're fixed because they're Taurus. But they're ruled by Venus, which means that anything to do with beauty, art, design, colors, uh, finance even, you know, the bull market and so forth, that's a great position to be in. The second um, decan is from May 1st to about the 10th, 10 degrees to 20 degrees, and it's ruled by Virgo, because if you think about it, after Taurus, we have to wait until Virgo before we get another Earth sign, right? Therefore, Virgo, the ruler, is ruled by Mercury. We have here an interesting combination of Taurus and Virgo. And Taurus and Virgo, if you know from the tarot card, is worry. It's the five of discs. It's a feeling that maybe I'm not going to have enough for rent. Maybe I'm not going to have enough for uh, uh, retirement. Whatever it is, there's a feeling like uh, maybe I need to be more frugal. So compared to regular Tauruses that love sensuality and love expensive clothes, well, it's going to be more about functional art than necessarily expensive things. So it's not about whatever costs more is better. Uh, attitude is much more like, uh, do I need it? Do I don't need it? And why am I paying so much money? If it's only for marketing, I, I don't want to wear it, please. So that's the Virgo energy. It's a little bit more humble in a sense. And the third decans of Taurus is Taurus Capricorn. So that's where money is made. So if you really want a kid that is really rich, make sure you're planning, which is almost impossible, to give birth during Taurus third decan because what they're going to have is very going to be very frugal 
very stingy sometimes with uh, finance compared to regular Tauruses, but very practical, financially driven, have a lot of structure, have a lot of abilities, for example, with architecture or things that have to do with uh, building things. Now, for Tauruses, their sign is obviously Venus. Venus is the ruler of their tar- chart. And now you see how it is with countries. You know, every time I come to uh, Istanbul, I still am worried that maybe Israel was kicked out of no visa um, a requirement, you know, because there's so many issues. And every time I'm surprised again that Israel didn't make it into that list. And then when I did some research about visas, it's tit for tat between countries. One country decided you have to have a visa to come to visit us. And that other country says, no, 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 now you're going to have to have visas to come and uh, visit us. Okay? And everybody's making money on these visas. Same thing with the zodiac signs. Believe me, the countries learned it from the zodiac. So what does it mean? Well, Aries said, you see, that Venus, the ruler of Taurus, is detriment. So what is Taurus saying? Well, okay, then Mars, your ruler, is going to be detriment for us as well. Okay, so you see how it works. The politics is definitely part of the Zodiac as well. So Taurus is all about finance. What is the worst thing for finance? Think about it. War instability. That's when the stock market starts going crazy. Everybody's saying now that uh, the world is going to go into recession because of uh, uh, Putin's war, right? Because war is not good for business. That's something that we've been realizing for the last 70-something years. And um, uh, Putin being the genius that uh, he's called on, uh, you know, shows like on Fox and, and, and Trump and rallies and stuff like that, obviously decided that it's time to um, uh, use this astrological knowledge. So, yeah, war for Taurus, who is all about money and finance, is not a very good news. But the moon is exalted. And that's really beautiful because Taurus is... Definitely about pleasure, about sensuality, about um, the ability to feel secure, to feel comfortable. We talked about it. War is not good for security. The moon is the ruler of cancer. It represents security. The moon is mother, and mother is always there, and mother's breasts are always uh, uh, for us, in a sense. So it's sustenance, in a sense. And fall, apparently, there is no fall for Taurus. Taurus, you cannot fall. So traditionally speaking, there is no fallen planets for a Taurus. So that's actually kind of nice for Tauruses. They don't have uh, an enemy in a sense. Let's do Gemini and then figure out, um, because I have no idea what time it is. Uh, But anyway, the Gemini is the first one from May 22nd roughly until the 31st from 0 to 10 degrees Gemini. We have Mercury and Gemini. So it's Gemini, Gemini. It's double Mercury. It's the twin of the twin. It's the fourth. How do you call it? Triplet is uh, for three. But imagine Mother Nature had fourplet, fourplet, no, quad, whatever. Whatever you call when there's four babies coming one after the other, that's very much Gemini, Gemini. It's awfully confusing because, you know, there is uh, two sets of twins coming at the same time. And it talks about people who are very observant, very scientific, very objective, very entertaining, very uh, interesting conversation because they basically have so many ideas jumping back and forth. They can be a little bit all over the place and it's very mutable. So they're constantly going to be changing and adjusting, but that's part of their job. That's part of their uh, uh, qualities. The second decan of Gemini will be about Libra uh, Gemini. And that's really beautiful because literally Libra is beauty, Gemini is communication. These are pretty good places, uh, placement for 
a communicative artist or an artist that want to communicate or somebody's business who could be very um, connected to mind, sales, communication, networking. So again, design, the connection between the right and the left brain in many ways, uh, great lawyers, by the way, great sense of justice. The third one is Aquarius. So you're talking about Gemini Aquarius. Uh, that's from June 11 to June 21. Uh, these are until the equinox, uh, until the solstice, basically, leading up to the solstice. Very original thinkers, tech savvy, very connected to patterns, thinking outside of the box, seeing things that people cannot, communicating even uh, with extraterrestrials or uh, other companies or other communities. So these are going to be the best messengers to send to other companies to get connected to and to create some kind of understanding. And if you look at what the planets are for Gemini in general, we have Mercury, who is the ruler, obviously, but detriment is Jupiter. So Jupiter does not like to be in Gemini. Uh, it's all over the place. Jupiter likes to be in one place, and it's too many uh, opportunities, too many places there, too much thoughts. There is no focus, and it's too superficial because Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius, which is the sign of truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And Mercury, obviously, is the god of liars and thieves. So there's definitely a conflict there. There is no exaltation, even though Mercury over exaltation... Yeah, I guess that it's getting uh, no exaltation and no fall. So I kind of, it's like uh, no high, no lows. It's kind of putting it into some kind of balance there. But definitely Mercury and Jupiter are very, very important in um, for Gemini. Let's see now. Uh, yes, it is about time. Next week, we're going to continue with uh, three more or maybe a little bit more. Did I... Um yeah, I have it ready for you guys in the future. Let's see what is happening this week. So we can um, check what is up there now. Okay, so we're now on April 3rd. Today is April 3rd, supposedly, and the moon is shifted into Taurus. Remember, we were in a new moon uh, Aries kind of vibe in the weekend. And it was the moon in Aries, the sun in Aries, Chiron in Aries. Remember I told you wounds are going to surface. And I didn't even know that the wounds are going to be associated with, uh, the, like I told you, the butchery that we discovered in the wake of the Russian uh, withdrawal. So the 72-hour Putin war turned into much longer and much more cruel or much more devastating. So uh, there is an interesting article also about... Uh, diaries that uh, young adults are actually writing there, very similar to Anna Frank's uh, work. And it's, it's, it's really terrible. But anyway, you can see what it means, new moon in Aries, and especially when it's on top of Chiron, which is the wounded healer. And remember, we talked about Minerva, just war. Uh, just war is definitely not on the side of the Russian that loot and kill and um, definitely on the side of the Ukrainian. I know that some people are saying, well, for everything, there's two sides. Yes, there is two sides for every coin. Uh, but some of the coins, because of overuse or misuse, have one side that's completely scratched and messed up and uh, uh, the other side that is still intact. So even if there is two stories or two sides, you know, like what is his name? Uh, who talked about, uh, yeah, there's good guys in every side. Yeah, I'm sure that there's good Nazis, you know. <laughs> but um, still, that was the weekend of the new moon in Aries. 
But the moon today is moved into Taurus. Tomorrow it's going to move into Taurus and uh, it be still in Taurus. Today it's on top of Uranus. So if you feel a little bit crazy, a little bit out of sort, uh, a little bit out of bound, uh, that's part of uh, this moon in Taurus on top of Aries, on top of Uranus. Because remember, we talked about the moon exalted in Taurus. So when the moon is exalted, she's getting much more space. You know, like an exalted king sits more like this and uh, more relaxed and takes more space. That's the same thing with the moon in Taurus. She's um, an empress and she feels very much entitled for a big palace with a lot of rooms and therefore she extends her energy so that's really good but she's on top of uranus uranus is the ruler of aquarius technology innovation so there's going to be uh, in one sense a little bit of a uh, loco period a little bit craziness but at the same time the moon in taurus is very grounded the only problem is that the moon is sending a little bit of a tough energy to vesta and vesta always injects something very traditional and very uh, uh, very stifled, stifled uh, into the scene. And because the moon is feminine, Vesta is feminine, there could be a little bit of challenges for some women around you or women with women or with mother figures or women bosses, uh, some family members acting a little bit crazy. But yeah, there's a little bit of unpredictability uh, today because of that moon's position. But uh, tomorrow is going to be much easier on Monday because it's the day of the moon and the moon is still in Taurus exalted and she's going to be also, hardly uh, at all um, in uh, void, of course, because Pluto is located in an Earth sign very advanced in the degrees, so there's not going to be that much void, of course. And in the sense, at the same time, she's sitting on top of the North Node, which is the bearer of good karma. So tomorrow, there could be some insights, some good karma downloaded, some um, uh, understanding. The only problem is that Saturn and, v and Mars... And a little bit of Venus also is squaring the moon. This is mean. This means that the moon feel like she's alone. It's almost as if all the kids are ganging on the mother and giving her a hard time. So it's a good thing that the moon is strong. She's in Taurus. I mean, she's exalted. Uh, but Mars, Saturn, and Venus, all of them ganging out on the ganging on the moon, means that you might be tomorrow extremely emotional. You know, the "I don't know why I don't like Monday" song is definitely a, a good song for tomorrow. Again, even though the moon is exalted. She is being attacked by a lot of those squares. And it just means conflict, uh, fighting for no reason, uh, emotional upsets, and just to be a little bit aware. Again, even though the moon is on top of the North Node, it is going to be helpful. It's going to protect. The moon then in Tuesday moves into Gemini. And that's um, very good for communication, for business, for negotiation, especially because the moon on Tuesday and Wednesday are going to send a beautiful text, a sextile to Mercury and to the sun and to Chiron. It's really good news for Tuesday for any negotiation, for coming for, to agreements, to settling things down, to writing, to publishing. And again, until the end of April, it's a really good time for you to push forward almost every project that you have before we're going to have Pluto retrograde. And then Mercury retrograde. And then the whole storm of retrogression. So um, just try to achieve the things that you need, especially with the moon in Gemini. It's very practical, very applicable. And it's getting great energy while it's getting great energy from the sun and Mercury tomorrow. So let's, let's just move to the day after. Yeah, April 6th. It's um, Wednesday. And look what's happening. We're going to have a beautiful sextile, which is really positive between Saturn and Mars and the moon. Action is being blessed. There's good connection between what I feel and what I do. Uh, that's Wednesday. 
It's going to be extended to Thursday even stronger. And the sun and the moon are sextiling. Sextile is a tiny door that opens if you're too um, overweight with energy. If you're too slow because you're in a difficult position, the small little doors or sliding doors opening and closing, you might not fit there because you carry too much stuff with you. So you're only going to wait to a, sex, a, a, a trine. Trine is 120 degrees. So the doors open for 120 degrees and they have time until they close. The sextile, they open only for 60 degrees and close down. So it is an opening, which is what you're going to get on Wednesday between the sun and the moon, mother and father, uh, action and reception. But it's a tiny window, so just look for it very clearly. It might be a small thing that happened, an email or something that you're getting that is really positive. But because the Mars and Saturn, that's going to be on April 7th, which is a Thursday, is going to open to a sextile. You see all these blue lines connecting to the moon. That's really good. The only thing is because every time there is also but, you know, uh, the but in, uh, on uh, Thursday, you know, the, every aspect has the face of it and it has the but of it. And the but of uh, um, April 7 is the fact that we have Jupiter and Neptune, which are great together in Pisces, sending beautiful energy to the north and the south nodes. So that's a great day for mysticism Thursday, mysticism, intuition, uh, imagination, photography. But it's going to send a square to the moon. It could be a little bit emotional. So emotional and a little bit overdoing and trying too much and dependency and codependency. So just be a little bit more aware of it. Then we have on Friday the moon moving into the weekend into Cancer. More about emotions and feelings. And Venus, remember we talked about it. It's going to move. When is she moving? Yeah, she's moving on April 6th. Yeah, April 5 or 6, depends where you are in the world, into Pisces. She's going to be there until the beginning of May. And like I told you, really positive energy that has to do a lot with art, design, finance. And the, you see the Venus and the Moon sending beautiful energy to each other on a Friday. It's a great day for dates. It's a great day for art, for design, for your color, everything. It's really, really beautiful. And Saturday, this continues. The only problem with Saturday, the butt of the Saturday is the sun and the moon squaring, which means that even though life is beautiful, you might not feel emotionally satisfied. There could be some kind of issues there between mother and father in a sense and also the moon in that day is going to be opposite to pluto you can expect some power struggles manipulation let's see if there is any questions uh, no my birthday is 15 tax day tax day i'm taxing didn't you notice very taxing indeed uh, 10 degrees. If you're born on the border, you have the energy of the first and the second. You have to look at your chart. So, Judy, have to look at the chart and see if you're born z 10 degrees. If you're born at 10 degrees, you already you belong to the second decadent, not the first one. What is... Uh, uh, I am wearing crown birthday dinner for friends who share April 5th dinner. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Why Aries is not happy with Venus? Are not Mars and Venus the cosmic lovers? Mars and Venus were cosmic lovers, but they were not married to each other, and they had a secret love affair. And when they did have sex one time, and they were caught by the lover, by, by uh, the husband of uh, Venus, uh, they were ridiculed. So no, it is not like, let's say, huh, it's not... 
it's not like the ultimate love affair where both of them are easygoing lovers and everything is great. Venus is peace, Mars is war. Venus is green, Mars is red. So they're these opposite that are so opposite that they attract each other. But if they would ever marry, their mother and their parents would not get along. Their families would hate each other. And eventually the tension will just separate them. So, no, they're not uh, best friends. Uh, They're attracted to each other and they have probably the best sex ever. But it's because they meet once every decade or so, you know, not because they're constantly together. Uh, two nights ago, yes, I mean, Sirius is the brightest planet, a brightest star in the sky. So you're going to always be able to see it, unless you're in places like Los Angeles or, you know, where there is a, a lot of light pollutions. But usually you can see it very clearly, and it's in the constellation of Cancer. Um, on the cusp of beauty, how does that relate to Dickens? Cusp of beauty, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of systems also that come out. Uh, because people are pressuring astrologers to make applications. You have no idea how many times I was asked to do an application for this, to do an application for that, and people come up with random systems that might not necessarily be uh, tested. Let's call it like that. I wouldn't say traditional because there's nothing sacred about tradition. The good thing about traditional things is that sometimes these traditional things survived because they actually served. You know, So... Opening the doors, for example, for um, uh, your partner is, is, is a traditional thing, right? And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's like giving the way to somebody, opening it, knowing that you can go first and saying, no, you can go before. That is a concept of bodhisattva who does the same thing with enlightenment instead of the door. So I think that some traditional things are great because they served us and they've proven to be right. So that's why I'm saying um, I think that... Uh, uh, you have to be a little bit careful with some of these systems. That's why I would say. And especially because Kabbalah, astrology, Qing, you know, runes, tarot have been here for so long that they've been tested on other people. So you can uh, be sure that it works. Well, uh, thanks a lot for bearing with me today on this um, new sign of Aries. Uh, we're going to do on the 11th a, a class. I think I pay. I put it all down there for you guys. On the 11th, we're going to do um, a, a class that's going to be very experimental about your story and storytelling. And we'll try to see how you tell stories and how you can tell your own story a little bit better. And then we're going to have on the 14th the mystical and spiritual meaning of, a, of um, a Passover and Easter, if you want to join. And we have the class on, on, tarot, on ta- Taurus, Taurus uh, in um, April 20th, which happens to be the date of birth of uh, Hitler. But it's okay. Yeah, I'm sure he, other people were born on that day. were very nice people indeed. He might have been a mutation. You know, maybe a sun flare or something happened at the birth, but it's probably related to karma, so don't take it personally. And um, we will see each other next week with the help of the good goddess. Uh, have an amazing week. And uh, next week, we'll definitely talk a little bit about the week ahead, especially because it's a pretty important week. And the week after is going to be Easter. So have a nice week. And thanks for joining. And I will see you next week.